Welcome to the Non-20 Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Quinton. And of course, we got Charlie Collier with us, as always. Uh, Charlie, uh, week one is in the books. The Vols went out to Arizona. Uh, they came back home to open up in Lindsey Nelson and scored a ton of runs, 33 runs to just one. Um, we've got the Dayton Flyers coming into Knoxville this weekend. Charlie, what are your thoughts overall from week one on the Vols and, you know, the SEC, the college landscape in general? Um, thoughts on the opening weekend. I would encourage everyone to – Let's just do it all together here before we get into this podcast. Let's let's start. I'll, I'll count us down. Everyone on the count of three, we're going to breathe in. All right? One, two, three. And then all okay. Um, I think last year's team kind of set up unfair expectations for this team. And if you were to listen, I mean, in the offseason, I think this coaching staff, the players that spoke, consistently tried to kind of tamper those expectations some it's just hey when you switch over a whole lineup the way that Tennessee did like yeah there's going to be some growing pains you're still figuring out that catcher spot you're still figuring out what your outfield's going to look like uh and then B Maui Ahuna and Griffin Merritt didn't play two out of the first three games that's two out of your you know four or five best bats um and then you know last point to all of this, Tennessee last year, yeah, sure, they opened with a Georgia Southern team that ended up making the NCAA tournament, but they didn't really challenge themselves to the same extent. They went and played that one classic down in Houston, but, you know, they got to they got to start off at home and rack up some wins for a couple weekends, and uh, this year you went and challenged yourself. Sometimes if you challenge yourself early in the season, you're going to lose some games. But I've seen some some people talk about, oh, this could be a down year. This could be a lag year. When you have the pitching staff that Tennessee has, when you have a projected top five pick as your Friday starter, um, when you have a Saturday starter that's going to find himself in the top five, top ten conversation for 2024, and then we have a Sunday starter that's better than most other teams Saturday and Friday starters, you're not going to have a lag year. That's not the case. Uh, This pitching staff, not only top heavy, but, you know, or talented at the top, it's deep too. So one and two start was disappointing, but I don't think, don't think the expectations for this season have changed really even in the slightest. The only thing that could change expectations would be the status of Malia but this is still very much one of the two or three best teams in the country and, and one of the title favorites. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I said before first pitch that, and you give me this pitching staff uh, with it being healthy, and I will take the lineup behind door number whatever without knowing what to expect. Because these guys, we know from uh, the recruitment of Dylan Drayling and Reese Chapman that, like those two in particular are super talented freshmen. Then you've got some some veterans in the mix, uh, like a Griffin Merritt, and then some guys that have been in the program that need to prove themselves and and step up. And you got a transfer in Zane Denton. Um, I think at the end of the day, come May June, 
it's going to be a pretty good lineup. It's just a matter of figuring it out. And uh, Alabama A&M, man, it was, uh, that was a good opponent to get the bats going. Uh, we had the Charlie Taylor game, man. Uh, did not see that one coming, but uh, his teammates did. Uh, you can tell by the way when he went up to bat, in the, uh, I think it was his third at bat, because uh, I think he had a fly out, a deep fly, and then a, uh, a little grounder. But the first fly ball uh, would have been a home run if it was neutral wind. Uh, the wind was crazy, uh, blowing in. Uh, but then he came up and hit two home runs to the exact same spot in left field. The wind had died down a bit. And when he went up to bat uh, for that first home run, you could see all his teammates got to their feet, got on the rail. They could tell he was locked in. Uh, and come to find out, we found out after the game that the team didn't get their bats, their newly issued bats, until after the weekend. Charlie, in particular, uh, wanted the Atlas 33-and-a-half-ounce. That's the orange one you saw, um, and that's his secret weapon now, I guess. So, uh, man, that's going to be huge to see if he continues some offensive progression uh, because without a doubt, he's the best defensive catcher the Vols have. Uh, and he's going to be receiving, you know, look, Xander, Xander Seacrest mentioned after the game how, you know, that's his connection. That's um, they grew up in Georgia half an hour away from each other. They kind of had that bond from, from that. And he said, it's his favorite catcher. And, no, it's that rapport with some of these uh, pitchers is going to pay dividends going forward. And like me and you uh, talked about, Charlie, man, if this turns into a really healthy competition, uh, you got Cal Stark that looked really good at the plate. He looked ready uh, in the box last weekend. Uh, we knew he was probably the slugger out of the group. Man, if you get that competition going there between the two, I think at the end of the day, like, you know, come conference play, you could be looking at a platoon or one really good option with a solid backup. What do you I, uh, <clears throat> I'm a big believer in Cal Stark. I have been since he committed to Tennessee. Um, you know, that's no, it's no secret. That's a guy I've been, I've been pumping up this off season. I, really like what Charlie Taylor provides you defensively. Um, it's nice to have a defensive catcher. No offense to Evan Russell. I mean, he did an admirable job in a tough situation, but it's nice to have a guy that, you know, is actually a threat defensively, a threat to throw you out, a threat to, to hold you on the base pass a little bit. Um, you know, I still think that there's some optimism that Charlie Taylor can develop offensively. And if he does, I mean, Fantastic, but I, I tend to agree with you. It, it feels like a platoon is inevitable here. You know, whether it's it's Stark on Friday, Sunday, and Taylor on Saturday, or you know, more likely maybe like Taylor Friday, Sunday, and, and Stark on Saturday. One of the two. Um, Stark continues to hit the ball well. You know, you could put Stark at DH on the two days that the Taylor catches and. You know, those two days, Dickey can play in the outfield. You know, I don't really have a problem with that either. Uh, but it's a good problem to have, at least, that they're making it competitive. You know, this 
this catcher situation felt like it could have gone one of two ways. It felt like it could be what we're seeing now, a competitive battle, two guys playing some good baseball, two guys giving you a good reason to start. Or, you know, it felt like it could have gone a different direction where it was the lesser of two evils, where it was like two guys that, hey, one guy maybe not making the adjustment to the SEC well, and, you know, one guy gives you good defense but still doesn't really have a bat, so you just kind of take the defense and, and shove them in the nine hole. I was worried that that could be the case of the catcher position this year. So, you know, I, I'm glad that both of those guys are seeming, to, you know, to make this thing pretty competitive. And they'll be receiving some some young arms, some inexperienced arms, uh, not just the the highly touted draft picks uh, in Dolander, Burns, and Bean. Uh, and that's what caught my attention. Um, and, and maybe some of the names that some fans aren't as familiar with. Like, you go back to last weekend, Seth Halverson stole the show for me, man. He, he came in in relief and – he had about a four-pitch mix, uh, sinking fastball, slider combo that they couldn't touch. He looked – man, he looked so good. And he threw about – I think it was around 50 pitches. I think it might have been 49. Um, great to see there. And then we saw Andrew Lindsey. Uh, he, he got out of some jams. Clearly, he did not have his best stuff. We've heard about him. Griffin talked about how he's got a deep bag. But, man, I was impressed with how he got out of tough situations. He kept getting behind in counts. There was a couple of 3-0 counts that he battled back and got outs out of. And I thought that was impressive. And then you fast forward um, through Sunday into the midweek games. Man, guys like uh, Aaron Combs and, and J.J. Garcia. Uh, the the second game against Alabama and AM, uh, they looked really good. Xander Seacrest clearly didn't have his stuff going. He mentioned after the game, you know, he had a short appearance over the weekend and then got the start on that Wednesday game. He said he's really he didn't really change a whole lot in the offseason. He said early on so far he's tried to overthink a couple of things. Um, so I think with with him, it's a matter of just getting comfortable and just getting some reps in in competition on the mound, but J.J. Garcia and Aaron Combs looked really good. They filled up the zone. They're the ones that got the ground ball outs. Uh, Seacrest, when the guys were getting contact, it was fly balls. Uh, Garcia, Combs got some ground outs, made short work of it, filled up the zone. I thought they looked really impressive. And then uh, <laughs> Zach Joyce, man, it's like it's like having a clone of, of Ben Joyce. Uh, just a, a few digits maybe slower on the fastball, but it's still really good. Uh, five batters, five strikeouts uh, for Zach. I couldn't imagine the Bulldogs <laughs> being down 23 to one. And here comes Zach Joyce. I mean, talk about kicking a team while they're down, but uh, they didn't really have the Vols didn't really have many options. Cause when you deal with the run rule there at that point, you're just wanting to get out of Dodge. You're not really wanting to, it's so weird trying to manage the bullpen at that part of the game. So, uh, Charlie, what what was your take on on some of these young arms? I mean, that's what you want to see him do against Alabama A and M. You know, I, I you seem to be pretty bullish on Garcia in, in comb so far, and I was. I mean, I agree. I thought they they were impressive in the sense that they came in and threw strikes. Like that's what you want to do against a team like. 
like Alabama A&M. I, I just wish that I, – I don't know. I guess I don't wish necessarily. I, I'll just be excited to see them against better competition if, if that ever, you know, comes to fruition this year just to, to get a better judgment. Like against Alabama A&M, if you're – if you're a pitcher that's good enough to play for Tennessee, you shouldn't give up any runs. Like you, that's the expectation. You know, it's it's. Not no offense to Alabama A and M, but it's it's two completely different sports that these schools are playing. I mean, it's just a, a completely different level. So, you know, the same even kind of applies with like Drew Beam Sunday against UC San Diego. He was great even struck out six. Like I wasn't expecting him to have his strikeout stuff working in the way he did, but I wish like we could have gotten to see him throw this weekend against a grand Canyon or Arizona quality candidate. You know, like we got to see Burns and Dolander do, but uh, we already knew about a lot of the arms this team had. If even more are going to emerge, I mean, it doesn't even feel legal at this point to have the amount of, of talented pitching that Tennessee does. Oh, 100 percent. And, you know, no one's expecting Garcia, Combs, guys like that to really uh, step up in class and and hang with some of the the big bats in in the SEC. But, you know, maybe there's one guy that kind of has like a Wyatt Evans type role from last year. You know, Wyatt is a very talented pitcher. We'll talk about him. Um, And he didn't get a whole lot of run. I mean, it was a a decent sample last year, uh, but he backed that spring up with a really good summer in the Cape. And, uh, you know, now that we're mentioning him, that's one that we've had circled. Uh, we were expecting maybe to see him midweek this past week, uh, but we did not. And I asked Tony about that, uh, and, and here's what Tony had to say. Went through a throwing program and, um, you, you know, Camden Sewell's similar where you all would rather see us, our fans would rather see us win the last series of the regular season than the first. And it's not like we didn't take last weekend serious. Trust me, we, we did just as much as Grand Canyon and Arizona and UCSD. Um, but those are two guys where we wanted to be conservative. And there are similar guys that are throwing for us in these games where, you know, Joyce, for instance, is just coming back. I mean, he's throwing the ball this well in scrimmages too, but we're we're not babying him, but we'd like to progress him along. So, uh, yeah, he he's capable right now of facing a hitter if we really needed him to. But we're we're going with a progression approach. How important was it? There? So there you have it. Uh, nothing major with Wyatt. Uh, that just bringing him along slowly. You mentioned Camden Sewell, kind of in the same boat, and you know I don't blame him. Uh, I can see it, and you know I expect probably one or both of those guys to be back over the weekend, if not next week. So uh, no concern there for me. Um, What did you take from it, Charlie? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. You know, it's – it's you already have enough arms times two. You don't need to to push a guy like Wyatt Evans or, or, you know, Cameron and Sewell from that matter. in the early portions of the season, if, you know, if they have soreness, if they have something else they're dealing with, yeah, take it slow, ramp them up, um, go through a throwing program. It, it, it really doesn't matter until you get to, to March 17th. So, you know, it's about taking the next three weeks and, and 
you know, doing whatever it takes three, four weeks to, to get into the best position possible that you can have those guys ready and, you know, ready to, to use against a Missouri team that all of a sudden maybe looks pretty decent to start the SEC schedule. Oh, man, to touch on them real quick, I was super impressed. Outside of Chandler Murphy getting that, you know, he pissed down his leg, you know, let's be honest, uh, to open that Friday game. And Newbeck came in, man, and he he kept it, he didn't give up anything and, and looked nasty. Uh, he's going to be a tough out for left-handed bats, and Tennessee's got a lot of them. But, yeah, um, Missouri on the rise. They, they've got my attention. Um, by the way, South Carolina, I know they haven't played. You know, you talk about the Alabama A&Ms of the world. But uh, South Carolina, man, they're, they got the bats going. We'll see what they can do once c- competition ramps up. But that was one of our looks at future plays. Uh, we got them at 201. Man, at just hours after the podca- podcast dropped, those odds shrank in half. One, And I've seen it even shorter in some places. So uh, anybody looking uh, to play some futures, uh, the time is now to sprinkle on some because it's going to be – it's going to get jumbled up pretty quick. Maybe uh, maybe it was just all of our listeners going to bet it that dropped it down like that. Maybe we just moved the line. We're market movers, Charlie. Uh, speaking of the arms, uh, let's, let's get right into it. The weekend rotation brought to you by crumble cookies. This week's lineup for crumble. We've got the staple milk chocolate chip, vanilla glaze with cinnamon toast crunch, birthday cake, Neapolitan chocolate, peanut butter chip, and the classic pink sugar. Uh, I'm going with the birthday cake. Uh, my my pivot would be the vanilla glaze with cinnamon toast crunch. Uh, Charlie, who's your your day one starter? Who's your Friday night starter out of these cookies? The vanilla with the cinnamon toast crunch sounds good. Um, you know, maybe that's my Saturday starter. Chocolate chip, that's Drew Beam. You know what you're getting. That's every Sunday. It's delicious. I, I It's my favorite. Friday night this week. Did you say that there's a Neapolitan? Yeah, there's a Neapolitan cookie. Like, like the ice cream? Yes. So it's like got strawberry chocolate vanilla? Yep. I can't even imagine what that tastes like, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, that's that's my Friday night starter. Yeah, that's one with a three-pitch mix there. <laughs> I... Uh, I mean, Neapolitan ice cream is my favorite, so. Yeah, uh, birthday cake. That's, I mean, that's my favorite ice cream. And uh, to have that in a cookie, can't wait. Folks, if uh, this weekend, if you're going to some of the games, uh, even if you're not, I mean, it's a perfect perfect snack, perfect dessert, perfect for whatever. Uh, Clint Highway, Turkey Creek. Go check them out. You can get a six-pack, a party box. Have it for the family. If you're doing a, you know, got a little get together going, watch some of this college baseball, some college basketball. They'll hook you up and uh, be on the lookout for a new location in Maryville coming soon. 
So let's get into the Vols weekend rotation. No surprise, the projected starters, Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, Drew Beam, they're going to be going up against some crafty lefties. Uh, Dayton's projected starters, all lefties. And a couple of these guys were staples in the rotation last year. Uh, some guys that have been around. They're pretty interesting, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, Tennessee should, if the bats keep going, shouldn't have any problem separating themselves. Uh, but particularly tomorrow with the weather, that one intrigues me. But uh, what do you think, Chuck? What are you looking at this rotation? The uh, the Dayton rotation? Yes, sir. I mean, the weather should probably help the pitchers out on both sides of this. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be cold. You know, balls might die a little bit. Um, can't imagine it's super comfortable, you know, whether you're – Pardon me, whether you're Mark Manfredi or Freedy or you're Nate Espelin or you're Ryan Steinhauer. Can't imagine it's anything other than incredibly intimidating to go into Knoxville and play this lineup and uh, and, and try to match up with Doe Lander, Burns, and, and, and Beam, too. You know, you look at 2022, and Dayton didn't really ramp up their competition all that high. Uh, they played a series at Belmont. Uh, you know, they played a series at Michigan early in the year. Um, one midweek with Kentucky, but really didn't play anyone all that talented. No one even near the quality of team that Tennessee is. So, you know, this is a, a, a new look for all three of these guys. Like, I, I know that, you know, Manfredi last year, second on the team in strikeouts, like, had he had a pretty dis- decent K per nine, a decent ERA. It was three six six last year. You know his first start of the year didn't give up a run this year. Uh, struck out three. I just to put it bluntly, I, I don't expect any of those three starters this weekend to really, you know, have all that much success especially compared to the Tennessee counterparts in Dolander, Burns, and Beam. I, I think that you're looking at another weekend of <laughs> a lot of runs for Tennessee, much like the midweek. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the pitchers are interesting. I mean, Ron Stenhauer, um, you know, had a little bit of a rough outing last week against a good Western Kentucky team. But last year, um, you know, he he limited the bases a little bit. 1.6 or 1.26 whip. Uh, he led the team in strikeouts with 63, so not a super high rate of strikeouts. And then, like you said, Manfredi uh, was right behind him in strikeouts. This guy that's going Saturday was a little bit better in limiting bases, a whip of 1.01. Uh, so. Uh, and he didn't get any run support at all. Uh, he had a really good ERA. Um, he was only one and two in, in, in nine starts. So uh, you have to wonder if the Dayton Bats will get going at all. I, you don't like their chances going up against 
the weekend. There's uh, so much stacked against Dayton. Yeah. The fact yeah. that like, Tennessee is probably a little extra inspired to, to have a good weekend after a rough start. B, you're in Dayton, Ohio. It's not like you've been outside much, if yeah. at all. It's school. C, there's just such a big talent gap. Uh, there's just so many factors working against the Flyers. They do. They're a little bit of a veteran group. But, um, yeah, uh, I think there's too much separation here. Uh, the Sunday guy, Nate Espelin, um, he was basically a he was a bullpen guy last year and didn't get a ton of run. And they're trying to see what he can do on Sundays for now, I guess. But in his career, only 13 innings, 13.2 innings pitched in his whole career uh, two years prior to this year coming into this season. So will be interesting. I think that could be uh, Sunday in particular. I think the Vols can run away from them. Hey, 13 innings, uh, not much of a scouting report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the weekend rotation. That's the outlook. Some of the arms. Uh, Charlie, let's, let's talk about some teams across the nation, across the conference. Uh, anybody that's catching your eye? Uh, across the conference, um, I'll start, I guess, with – you already mentioned it a little bit. I mean, Missouri, what they did was really impressive, taking two out of three against some really tough competition, Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State. And, you know, like you said, if, if they wouldn't have got off to such a rough start in that OK State game, maybe could have gone 3-0 and on the weekend. With how good – the SEC is already – it doesn't seem fair that <laughs> Missouri also joined that group of competitive teams. So we'll we'll monitor, you know, how they continue to play in, in the non-conference since, again, that is, that is your first series going on the road to Columbia. Um, wasn't all that impressed with Arkansas. Uh, don't – really have great reasoning other than just like they didn't really do it for me. Uh, South Carolina, a team that, you know, obviously both of us pretty bullish on. Um, I know it's UMass Lowell. Not a whole lot you can take away from that, but they still looked really good. Still looked really good. Um, the SEC, man, really, I guess if you want any takeaway, they're just all so good. All just <laughs> some great teams. And then also there's Mississippi State. Yeah, man, we, we touched on it uh, last episode. Um, you know, I think you asked me about Mississippi State fishing last. I, I'll stand, stand, I still stand by it. Like, I don't think they'll finish last in the conference. But, man, they are not off to a good start at all. <laughs> like, um. They have the answer to the pitcher, though, so everything's good. Yeah. Um, they've got talent. They have got some talent to work with. So we'll see if, you know, you basically, if you're Chris Lamonis, you've got a month to kind of figure this thing out because if you go into conference play uh, looking like you don't know how to play D1 baseball, they're, they'll get eaten alive, left behind really quick. Uh, but I think there's talent to work with. And I still have confidence that they can, they can get out of that bottom-dwelling spot 
Uh, but for me, uh, Missouri was impressive, super impressive with them. I, I have some notes and a write-up on them. Um, we're trying to get – I'm trying to get some stuff together for the SEC teams to provide for some people. I'm not quite done with all of it, but when I am, I'll let you all know. But Missouri is a team – if you're interested and, in, like, why are you so <laughs> bullish on Missouri, uh, hit me up, DM me. I'll share with you what I've got and, and tell you why. Uh, there's basically, for starters, uh, you can take about six key players for them in their lineup that have returned, and it equals 896 at-bats. And then couple that with a couple of pitchers that can really form into a one-two punch on the weekend. They've got a decent bullpen. I mean, they can, they're going to be an interesting team going forward. And then also we mentioned last episode, I think it was TCU and Wake Forest for some like future options. I didn't pull the trigger at the best number. I apologize for that. But I did sprinkle on uh, TCU and Wake Forest. You, you can get both of them at 25 to 1 right now. I think that's worth a shot. It's not, it's not extreme value. But I do think with both of those teams, you're going to get the best of the number going forward because I I have projected both of those teams having shorter than 16-1 to 1 odds uh, going into the tournament. And TCU looked like the class of the Big 12. Um, they All I was looking for with them is the pitching staff and the rotation to see if they could figure that out. I hate to be reactionary to like Wake Forest just scoring a crap ton of runs and TCU looking so great over just one weekend. It's not really that. It's just playing the market and not because people reacted and it's like, well, it's now or never with with 25 to 1. You know, in some places, Wake is 16. In Vegas, Wake is 16 to 1. That might have changed by now. But uh, those are two teams I've got my eye on. Um, so yeah, what do, what do you think of some of the futures that we talked about? Maybe some teams that we didn't talk about. Um, I mean, again, futures we talked about, yeah, obviously wake just poured in some runs, uh, A&M very kind of quiet weekend for them. Just calmly took care of business against Seattle, uh, South Carolina, you know, again, they they raked this weekend. They shoved, too. Um, those what – I'm trying to think. Are those – what other big futures did we have? Oklahoma State? Yeah, you South mentioned Oklahoma State. Uh, South Carolina was my first – you know, at 200 to 1, that was my first play. Now I've sprinkled on TCU and Wake Forest. And I think I'm going to hold there because – you know, that's just 0.3 or 4 units between those three that I've got going. And then it's some nice insurance to have. Um, I don't expect South Carolina to win the World Series, but if we can make a market move, a stock market type of play, that's that's more for what South Carolina is. Uh, TCU, Wake Forest, you're playing to win with those. Uh, I think, oh, my bad. No, I, go ahead. I think there's value with a, uh, 
with a Maryland team, actually, that is challenging themselves. They are going to Ole Miss this weekend. Taking on the Rebels tonight, tomorrow, Sunday. And then, this is weird to me, they play in the Cambria College Classic the following weekend. And one of the schools they play? Ole Miss. <laughs> yep. Uh, Three-game series with Ole Miss. Uh, go back home, play Delaware in the midweek, and then go to Minneapolis, play Ole Miss again, and then uh, wrap it up with Vanderbilt and Hawaii. But they're going to get some good early opportunities. You know, they're another one of those teams that practicing up in College Park, Maryland, you know, probably a little bit behind where Ole Miss is in terms of, of how much they were able to ramp up and get outside. But – if they have a good weekend against Ole Miss, that value could potentially uh, shrink a, a good bit. So I kind of want to hop on Maryland now. And if they, you know, say they go down to Ole Miss and take two out of three, or say they take one out of three, but then they, they you know, beat Ole Miss and Vanderbilt in Minneapolis. If you hop on that future now and they go and do some of these things, which they're a talented enough team. They're more than capable to beat Ole Miss or Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, I bet the cash out is already double what the bet you put down is come March 6th, March 7th. I'm glad you mentioned Maryland. Uh, as you mentioned, they play Ole Miss today. And uh, as far as best bets for today, I gave away on your show, Charlie. Uh, it's playing right now. Washington State, UC Irvine, tied up 1-1 last I checked. Um, but other than that, uh, what I'm giving away today, I, folks, I I have uh, – and what do you know? Guess, guess who's calling me, Charlie? He heard me, he heard me say best bets. Who's calling you? Jake Miller. Oh, uh, we'll get back to him in a minute. Uh, but for now, I've got the Picket app open, folks. If you've not heard of the Picket app, DM me, DM Charlie, get at us. Uh, this thing is is really really cool. What it is is a sports betting tracker. That's all it is. It's not another sports book. It's you can sync your sports book to the app. It keeps track of your bets for you. You're your up, your down, your wins, your losses, your your ROI. Uh, breaks it down into units. You can set your units. Um, you can look at all the boards. Uh, it automatically, when you pull up the board for for games that are going on that day, it will automatically give you the the best price on both sides, uh, and and it'll indicate what sports book that price is at. I mean, it's super cool. And then there's a thread kind of, I'd say it's similar to Twitter where people just post, Hey, this is what I'm playing. Oh, this was a tough beat. Uh, get on there and talk smack or, or, you know, boast about your bets. Uh, it's really, really cool. And it's free to sign up, uh, use promo code nine twenty Logan, uh, to get on there and sign up you you just if you got any questions ask me i'll send you the link just be sure to use the promo code 920 logan and be sure to sync at least one sports book to it in your gold it, it's free i think you even get three bucks for doing it um and, and i've noticed charlie man you're 
you are on fire in the college basketball as we're going into the tournament season. Yeah, uh, since I signed up for Pickett, we are up 20.4 units in a week and a day on college basketball. Yep, and I'll pull it up right here. Um, Yesterday, I was uh, eight and two in college hoops. The day before, I hit a parlay that uh, put me up 24 units on the day or 20 units on the day or something like that. Just a, a nice five leg parlay. But I'm a big college basketball better, especially with the mid majors and conference tournaments coming up in college basketball on Monday. I will be betting every single conference tournament game like 300 plus games in the next two weeks. So yeah. stay over and follow me for that. Yeah. You're, you're the one I'm going to tell on that. Um, I'll be doing for the most part, college baseball. And, you know, I'm, I'm up, I'm four and two this week, up two units j- just from Monday had a really good weekend last weekend. The only losing day I had, I think was opening day on Friday. I had a round Robin that didn't hit. But Saturday and Sunday were really good. We were we were in the plus uh, opening weekend. I'm taking a little easy so far, getting kind of used to these teams and used to the markets. But I got something cooking today, folks. It is. So I'll call this Road Dog Friday. I love some dogs today. And they're on the road. Maryland, you mentioned Maryland. I love them. You can get them for plus 180. Plus 180 is out there. Um, I think it's playable to plus 150. Uh, UCLA, money line against Vanderbilt. They're plus 110. Vandy, man, they're, they can get there, but the lineup still has a ways to go, and, and some of the pitching does as well. They're deep. They're a team that you want to back on some Saturdays and Sundays probably, but UCLA has the pitching edge. Yes, it's at the West End, but Carter Holton, man, he, you know, he's yet to take that next step. He's he'll get the strikeouts, but he'll give up give up some runs too, uh, unless anything changes. I've got UCLA. I think this is more of a toss up game, uh, and give me the pitching edge in UCLA. Uh, I love UCLA this weekend. I love them. Yeah, love them. Arizona State over Miss Dude. We talked about Mississippi State. Uh, they're just not playing good at all right now. Arizona comes. Arizona State comes in pretty hot. Uh, you can get them for plus one eighty. That's crazy. This is also playable, very playable at plus one fifty. Um, you know, and I'm taking all these. What I'm doing, I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add right state to that. Uh, to, to the board today. Um, Wright State, you can get them plus 135. I've seen plus 125. Either is good. At Kentucky, um, Wright State isn't quite the right state we're used to, but they have their best pitcher going tonight. Kentucky has a long way to go. They were transfer you over the offseason, and they, you know, we're not talking about big-time transfers. It, it, we're talking about, like, piecemealing stuff together here for their lineup. Um, and that might be a game to look for the under. Um, I'd, before the podcast, the totals weren't released, I don't believe. 
Uh, so I'm dropping a dime on that parlay. 0.1 units uh, to pay out plus 33.60. Uh, but I'm also playing those individually uh, for half a unit apiece. So, you know, we go two for two. We're in the plus, man. We're good to go. So that's what I've got today. Anything you're looking at today, Chuck? Um, I, I'll, I'll be quite honest. I'm in a battle right now to get the sports book I use to give me college baseball lines. So I am stuck in not being able to bet on college baseball purgatory. It's very frustrating. For the folks listening, uh, some sports books see Charlie as an illegal alien. Uh, so every single I use one sports book, right? It's the only sports book in the America that has verified me as a real human being. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. I've even tried to sign up for the same sports book that I'm on here in Tennessee in the state of Indiana, as well as the state of Las Vegas when I've been on or state of Las Vegas, the state of Nevada when I've been on vacation. And the sports book that I'm on hasn't even been able to verify me in other states. But FanDuel, DraftKings, Action, Superbook, Caesars, and Win, and Hard Rock, every single one, when I try to get verified, tells me that there's like some not a match in my public records, yada, yada, yada. We can't verify that you're a real person. I've even talked on the phone with all of them, and I can't get on. So uh, I'm only on one sports book. It's uh, – MGM and we're not friends right now. I am a prisoner to them because they're the only ones that let me bet, but we're not friends. I need them to give me college baseball. They let me bet on men's regular season college volleyball the other day, but they don't have college baseball lines. Um, So I don't have any college baseball bets until I win this war. I do, however, really like Wright State against Kentucky. I agree. I mean, you saw Kentucky last Friday lose to Elon. Uh, I also I kind of like Maryland. Uh, so I'm so-so on Maryland. I really like UCLA. I will be betting – or well, I won't be, but I would be betting UCLA uh, in all three games this weekend. Um, I – yeah, I'm – I'm a big fan of this UCLA team, and like I talked about, I just this this Maryland team doesn't do it for me. Or Maryland, this Vanderbilt team doesn't do it for me the same way past Vandy teams had. There's still just not a lot in their lineup that I like fear. I mean, Enrique Enrique Bradfield Jr. Like, yeah, if he gets on base, you know, two pitches later, he's probably going to be on third. But I just I still just don't fear them the same way. Um, and then I would have been intrigued by East Carolina today, but their game with UNC got postponed. Oh, yeah. I was looking forward to that. I don't know if I would have bet it because it was set at a uh, – what I saw at open was a coin flip, you know, um, you know minus, minus 10, you know, both ways. But that, that one would have been just a great one to watch to start off your weekend. Ryan is uh, beating Virginia Tech right now, four to one. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> uh, we're going to see some of those crazy upsets um, so early in the season. Uh, hopefully, Tennessee can avoid those. 
Uh, we'll we'll look and see what they do. We'll try to get this pod out uh, as quickly as possible, hopefully in time uh, before they kick things off with Dayton this afternoon. Uh, they'll play at 2 p.m. Saturday and I think 1 p.m. Sunday. So, And it looks like the weather is supposed to clear up. It's coming in a little early. So, like, uh, it's supposed to come in tonight and then, you know, around game time from then on, last I looked, it's supposed to ease up, you know, mid-afternoon on. So hopefully they can get that thing in uninterrupted, get out of Dodge and, you know, start start their home. You know, this is going to be a stretch where they've got like, I think they got 14 more games at home or something. Uh, it's a great chance for them to figure the lineup out before conference play starts. You got anything else, Chuck? Would love to just put up like 30 runs this weekend. Uh, I, I think that Tennessee, yeah, I don't know. You think over under 29 and a half can buy in runs on the weekend? You taking the over? I would probably take the under. Weather or just. Yeah, if weather wasn't a factor. I would be, I would lean over, but with the weather and everything and still, you know, I got to see it again, you know, from what they did on the midweek um, with the lineup and the way they hit, like I, I need to see guys, they're going to step up in class a little bit, just a little bit, um, see what they can do against lefties. I, It's going to be interesting to see what the lineups are with the lefties that they're going to face uh, from Dayton. So. Uh, but, yeah, I would take the under on that. I'm taking the over. Just because I think you're, I, I think Sunday, like you mentioned, is going to be one of those open the floodgate type days. You get half of that on Sunday. Like, that's what I, that's kind of what I, I'm looking at. I, I mean, weather will jump back up to 60. Uh, I think you might score 15 or 16 on Sunday. And that's why I would lean over. I think the bats are going to start start to get hot here. You know, the pitching isn't going to be great that you're facing either, but I think the bats are going to start to get hot here. I think it's going to be a big weekend for Tennessee. Good to to get Lindsey Nelson Stadium on a on a weekend now. You know, not a lot of people can make it over there at 4:30 on a midweek. Still, a lot of people did, but hopefully, a lot more people can make it out this weekend, as is tradition. The first weekend series of the year, rain. Yep. There you go. There you have it. Yeah. This, uh, for those that, by the way, we'll get out of Dodge, but I wanted to touch on like, you know, folks from the outside talk about Lindsey Nelson and it being such a fast track and a home run banging facility. March, February and March totally balances that out because it look, if it's warm weather, like the other day, like we saw with Alabama, Alabama A&M, if it's 70 degrees, guess what? The wind's going to be blowing in because the hot air from the south is blowing up. And uh, it it's always blowing hard east uh, towards the football training facility. Um, and then you've got the rain. It's, uh, it's so cold and wet during February, March, if you're not getting the surprising 70-degree weather. You know, there's it's 
it's not neutral weather. It's like one extreme or another. So I think those first couple of months kind of balance things out in terms of the the narrative that it's such a home run crazy park and a in a fast track. Yeah. Yeah, I mean So that's all I've got, Chuck. Um, we'll see what they can do. Let's see if they can get 30 I runs. I froze. Did I? What? Did you freeze? I think I just froze. <laughs> I don't know. That was weird. You're good now. Um, I don't know just, if it made any weird noises, but uh, I don't just know. Make sure that uh, you get with MGM and uh, you know, kind of grab them by the collar, do whatever you got to do. Just let me bet on college baseball, please. That's all I think it'll be there. I think they had it last year, and I, if I remember correctly, I think it took them a few weeks. But yeah, they had it last year. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of sports books took a beating with some college baseball last year too, though. Oh yeah, we're part of that. I mean, I know it was probably the same for you, but I I remember there being a lot of weekends last year where I'd head over to the sports book and I'd just look at the lines and I'd be like, man, they they really don't know college baseball because they're giving away free money. Yeah. Betting on college baseball last year was some of the easiest ways to make money I've ever seen in my entire life. I hope yeah. it's the same this year. We'll see, man. We're off to a good start. Uh, we'll get out of here, folks. Uh, Logan Quinton, he's Charlie Collier. We'll catch up with you. Uh, you can catch Charlie on the Blitz. Uh, on Fan Run Radio. We'll get the pot out as soon as possible and catch up with you guys next week. We're out. <laughs>